1: Sean, Jay, Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Warriors win, 109-100, game three. Chain out, Jay's got the chain like the out. The chain like the out. All right,
2: Stephen A. A. <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: now up 3-0 on the Mavs.
3: <laughs> I saw him the other day when he did I was like, oh, okay, okay, Stephen A., we got the chain out today.
1: We showing them, Okay. I had to be told that when I first got you on TV, you got to tuck it. Yeah, yeah. T- I had to. Please, I had the, I had the the Tigers' eye iced out on both sides. Ooh. Yeah, okay. yeah but you 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 can yeah, wear it
3: outside the well, clothes no, no right. I you, you did not.
1: Someone wear, had to tell me to tuck it in. You not
2: wear your chain outside your clothes. Right, when you have A suit on. You of see, Kido,
3: they don't tell him to tuck his chain in. You know us. Oh,
2: they hey, did. got to tuck it in. Hey, no, no, man, they did.
1: Know, I I had to be told you have to tuck that in. You can't wear that out. Where? on air. Yes. Yeah, but why would you ever want to wear it out? Because because when I first got on the air, I wasn't wearing a suit and tie. Ah. Matter of fact, when I first got on the air on Friday Night Fights, they were like, Oh, you you mean when you first got on the air in your career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things, I'm sure, that you you thought you knew then and didn't know.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think I knew. I just I don't know, I got the chain, you wear it out. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean if you sit out on you, both if, sides if, for if it if I'm not gonna wear if it. If you
2: had on a no collar shirt and it was a you know, a round neck or something, that's different. But when you got on a collared shirt and you pulling your chain out, like that's doing a
1: lot. A lot. It's, doing a, it's lot. doing a lot. It's doing a lot. It's doing a lot. Yeah. It's like uh You flexing your muscles. Like back in the day when you had a beeper and you had to wear it outside on the belt, sure everyone. I got look I got you that. I got two way
3: pager, man. Hold on, let me <laughs> Used to, yeah. used to check, Sending used to my check, joint.
1: The, used to check the beeper. No batteries in it. Nothing. <laughs> nothing yeah, I not gotta connected. figure out. I got like those herringbone chains, Keith.
3: Remember those herringbone chains, the gold. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, real thick ones. Yeah. Like I'm, I gotta figure
1: one. out this
2: this Golden State. Uh, I'm assuming Miami championship. Oh, you calling that? I'm assuming. You calling that?
3: Okay.
2: I'm assuming. One way to go. Golden State for sure. I don't know about
1: Miami. Golden, Golden State
3: going to be They're going to be rested. <laughs> well, I mean, and one of the
1: classes? one of the things Jay, you were really hoping for, and I was with you when you brought it up, was Golden State and Phoenix because a lot of legacy stuff for Chris Paul and C- and, and and Steph and Steph. da da da. It doesn't look to me like Phoenix was going to have much for Golden State if they couldn't get by Dallas the way Golden State's handling Dallas. Can but let me let's focus on the Mavs for a second. See, I think the matchup would have been different real quick, but go ahead. Of course, right. of course. Yeah. But who do you like in that, in the end? Oh, I still like Golden State. Right. So, but Luka and the Mavs, right, given what they have on the team, can this team eventually, it ain't going to be this year, but eventually win a title as currently constructed? Of course, you've got to tweak things here and there, but is it possible to win with the current construction of this roster? No. No, uh, win an NBA championship, no. I, look,
3: I, I, I think this team needs to make some moves. I think they were too guard-oriented uh, at times. Like, I would like for them to have a big that they could take advantage of. Like, I, I'll throw it out there. Like a, I, I don't know what's happening to his situation with him, but like a DeAndre Ayton potentially or Zach Labine, um, another guard that could be dynamic. Like, I, I struggled last night watching Spencer Dinwiddie not create more plays for himself and being aggressive. So, I, I think Luca is a generational talent. I, I think that Jason Kidd is the one head coach that can get him to buy into a different style of play about giving the ball up early. If there were players, personnel-wise, that can create shots for themselves and play faster. I think Luca's conditioning is something that has to change. I think he has to play faster. Um, and I, but as they're currently constructed right now, I do not think they have enough in the tank with the way the Western Conference is going to be there when it's all said and done. Yeah. I think they need to add different pieces and another superstar to their table.
2: They certainly got to get a superstar. Luka's not enough to carry them. I understand he's a, a, a scorer and all those sort of things. But if I'm giving him, if I'm giving him 30 a game but I'm getting 26, I'm going to take that all day long. I'm going to trade that every single day of the week. Um, they've got to find another star. Everybody has two. Everybody has two. You're not going to win a championship with just one. I know Kawhi did it a couple years ago, but Kyle Lowry and and, – Oh, God, what's the guy, Jay? I said Kawhi. What did I say? You said Kyle You said Kyle Oh, God. Kawhi Leonard and and, and Kyle Lowry, but then also they had the the third guy, um, the center. Pascal Siakam? Yeah, Siakam was there with them. And you can't win championships all by yourself. The Lakers had to go out and acquire AD. Okay, you look at what you look at what what the Milwaukee Bucks did a year ago. They had Middleton as part of the Giannis deal. So I think they certainly got to go get
1: somebody for sure. When even when I'll go, let me take. Let's go back to Luca for a second, because I hear you. Of course, no one does it by themselves, right? Unless it's a freaky thing where a year everyone gets hurt and someone squeezes in. But I, I hear what you're saying, Key. But I'm looking at Luka and thinking about the two guys that he's frequently compared to, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, right? Because they're oversized, ball handling. I mean, Bird could handle, but that's not – he was like a power forward, small forward, power forward, but but was had the ball a lot, distributed a lot, could set up your offense, that kind of stuff. And Magic, obviously the point guard. Magic and Bird made the, the people around them better all the time. I can't think of a single team where it's like Magic and Bird didn't elevate the the, the surrounding pieces, right? And Luka has some of the same skill set, but is frequently, it gives me the feeling, and I know last night they were just cold from outside, Jay, but a lot of times you look at the end of the game, three assists, two assists, when he should have double digits, right? Mm -hmm. Like he should be the kind of player that elevates everyone, not just that drops 40.
3: 1,000%, but see, where my brain goes to is, does Luca have flaws? Yeah. He does have flaws. Is he a superstar generational talent? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna figure out the flaws of the personnel I surround him with. And I'm looking at Golden State as saying, Key, there's there's so much firepower on Golden State that we're gonna talk about what Luca needs to do to single-handedly keep his team in the game. Like we're people are today are going to debase base Luca and be like, oh, let me tell you, Luca is not going to be the guy, or he has all the stuff he needs to work on. And I'm saying, yeah, Luca does have a lot of stuff he needs to work on, but Luca Luca also needs help in order to get his team to the point that has the same kind of offensive explosion like Golden State does, because Golden State is just different. Golden yeah, State is going to make a lot of teams look like yeah. they have flaws. Yeah, they're they're close, but
2: I heard Max say something. Oh yeah, you know they got to miss the shots. Well, that's the same thing we said in game 2. All right, well, you know, they they, they didn't shoot it well. Well, okay. So there's a recurring theme there. Mm-hmm. They're not shooting the ball well. Mm-hmm. They're not knocking down the shots. What do we, we we said it in we said it in game 2. We said it in game 3. Oh, well, I can't do Wiggins I don't know if he could do it. Well, the same thing is happening. So, clearly they need to go out there and find out how to get some help, speed up the game for Luka. And you say, well, he's a generational talent. Yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, he is. Yeah, for sure. But defensively, come on out here, Jay. Mm-hmm. Come out here and come get guard. some of yeah. this. What's
1: yeah. the between him and, and James Harden from a couple of years ago? Luka and James Harden from a couple of years ago. What's the difference? Luka's sides? Yeah, but in terms of effectiveness.
3: Well, I, I, James Harden has the ball and dances more in the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Like he's more iso ball. Luka does more out of pick and roll. Okay, a lot but, more out of pick and roll.
1: But the result seems to me more or less the same in terms of the numbers, in terms of the wins, in terms of how far the team will go. I mean, James Harden, when he had Chris Paul and he had shooters, mm-hmm. and in his greatest season, probably should have beaten the Warriors, but they choked in Game 7 at home. What, what year was is this for Luca? Very early on, okay. no question. So okay. the big difference you're saying is that Luka is – where James Harden was, give or take, in his prime, but in his, like, third season.
3: Fourth season. So what what I'm saying is Luca still has a lot of growth. I'm not sitting here on national TV trying to defend that Luca is, like, the perfect player at all because he's not. There are aspects sometimes where he holds on to the ball too long. There are aspects about his conditioning that needs to be better. But I'm saying he's at that critical point key. Whereas if Dallas and Mark Cuban don't surround him with the right pieces to elevate him, some people will start talking about him as like a James Harden type player, and I, that's not who he is. That's J- cool. J- uh, and there's nothing J- like wrong what- James Harden. James Harden is special too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. Jay, what game is this? What like,
2: what game would this be in the NBA season? What are we at like a hundred? Yeah, ninety-five. Like yeah, hundreds. So he still needs to get in shape at hundred. Yes. I don't. Even, I can't even comprehend that.
3: I've been playing all season long, and and you're telling me he still needs to get in shape. Yeah, but key, there, there's something he has been so uniquely gifted that at his size and his frame, you look at his body. There's still a lot of baby fat on his body, and like, but, and people have talked around. I talked to Mark Cuban on my podcast. This maybe I don't four months ago that though on the limits, right? And he was like, "Yeah, we talked to Luca a lot about conditioning and getting into." championship. But you're playing shape. basketball literally yeah, every there, night. There's a difference though, Key. There's a difference in what you do in the offseason that gets you ready to be
1: another level type elite when you're at this juncture of the season. This has always been the curse of the gifted, right? So if, since to you're me. 15 years old, you're the baddest dude on every court you step on. You get to the highest league in the world and you're busting everybody from, from the time you're a rookie. You know, at a certain point, until you hit that wall, where it's like, "Oh damn, I gotta get better." What's the incentive to get in shape? I think he probably has it now. I, I right?
2: just—it's hard for me to digest what y'all saying about getting in shape when I'm playing throughout the course of the damn know, season. When you I'm playing in basketball, shape.
1: Basketball—you should be in. I mean, it's hard. to You not should in be shape, in shape.
3: That's—that's right? that's, that's wrong. Though you could play. I could play basketball all day long and not be in great shape. Tune in to the ESPN me.
1: Daily podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by SuperCuts, download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, ooh, available ooh. wherever you enjoy your podcast. So, coming up, guys, is the Lakers' job really a bad one that people are trying to paint it as a bad one? We're going to talk about that next. Keyshawn yeah, and Jay, Jay. will next. ESPN Radio and ESPN Two. We have some breaking news. Whereas I like to say this just in to Twitter, I'm back. back. This was tweeted by yeah. Jay Will. You just you just tweeted I'm back,
3: Jay. Well, I, I made a decision over the weekend uh, that I'm going to try to make a comeback attempt.
1: Keyshawn,
4: Jay Will and Max, the podcast
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
1: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max were brought to you by Ooh-wee. Progressive. Well, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. you know I not changed Let's get but it straight. Like, we're brought to you by Straight no Talk no, Wireless. Got the forty-five dollar silver unlimited That's plan up. from Straight Talk Wireless. So, guys, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the Lakers head coaching finalists include Bucks assistant Darvin Hamm. Ex Trailblazers coach Terry Stotts, Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson, Lakers tried to interview Juwan Howard. He declined. He's coaching his two sons, Jason Jett, in Ann Arbor. Uh, Juwan Howard played at Michigan with Lakers GM Rob Polinka and with LeBron James on the Miami Heat. The Celtics had interest in the Celtics had interest in Juwan Howard a year ago before eventually hiring Ime Udoka, and that's worked out so far very well for the Celtics. Um, So I asked a question earlier in the show, guys. Yes, Max. At the end of Kobe Bryant's career, and I don't mean the last season, the last several seasons, it was hard for the Lakers to attract free agents. Even when they had a lot of cap space, they couldn't give the money away. And partly that's because I think, hearing at the time, young stars were hesitant to go to Kobe's team, especially at that point in his career because he was still good enough to be dangerous, but not good enough to win a championship anymore, or so the feeling was. And so it was a whole lot to deal with to kind of not be able to get over the top. I'm wondering how much, when when you say, Jay, I'm telling you, the Lakers' job is not as attractive as people might think and da-da-da, how much of that is the front office turmoil that you point out? How much of it is an evaluation of LeBron James, who might still be the best player in the game, I don't know, but hasn't played very much in the last several seasons – and isn't what he once was. Is it any of it commentary on LeBron, le GM, as as uh, well, Kyrie called Different him.
3: things that you're unpacking there. Are you asking me the basketball aspect of LeBron, or are you asking me the le GM basketball I'm saying, aspect of LeBron? I'm saying
1: people will put up with a lot when you, when playing with you means a title because you're by far the best player in the game. But it comes to a certain point where a guy diminishes enough where it's like, I don't know if I want to put up with all no, that.
3: No, I, I I think that is inaccurate lebron james was in the mvp conversation this year even at the stage of his career his passing ability his playmaking ability are off the charts um i'm asking i'm not saying no 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 no, i I hear you yeah i i I just i I, that's not the way i look at it at all i when i hear lebron james name i still would like to go coach a guy like lebron james Mm -hmm. because that is a special one of a one type of talent
1: Neverly ne- like said he wanted to go play with LeBron when he was in studio last week.
3: It's for me when I when I hear about there being hesit- hesitancy in the marketplace about coaching there, it's because of who's really running the show. There are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and I think that needs to be handled. And there needs to be hey, here's protocol. If you're talking about here's the pecking order of who's in control key, who's making the decisions on personnel. How are we coming to conclusions? Yes, we want LeBron James to have a lot of say. It can't be final say. Genie Bus, Rob Palenka, are you making decisions? Is that it? Is that what we have? If that's the case, then as a head coach, I need to have say in the personnel that I would like to coach as well. And it needs to be a collaboration. And I don't think it was felt that way with Frank Bogle. That's why I think there was a, a little bit of reluctance from people around the league when they considered the Lakers' job.
2: Well, what I would say is the Lakers job is still a hell of a job. Uh, has it been dysfunctional at times? Yeah, all organizations are dysfunctional at times until they get it back right. And this is why Jeannie is taking back control, so to speak, of the organization. She kind of gave a little bit of leeway to LeBron and company to put the roster together to some degree uh, with, with final sign-off. But... As she said before, she's in the one in control. And you clearly can see that by the coaching candidates that's, that is on that list and who they're targeting. And then people would think that there's a lot of coaching candidates that's out there that turn down a Lakers job. That's not true. It's factually not true. When you look at Jawan Howard, I mean, Jawan Howard's going to stay with his kids. Why would he recruit them to Michigan and then bolt on them several months later? That doesn't – no one does that. And then you talk about some of the other coaches that's out there, Jay. What veteran coaches would the Lakers get? Doc Rivers is still stuck in Philadelphia. They didn't fire him. Then you say, well, they can go get Greg Popovich or something. Well, Greg Popovich is a million years old. Who, <laughs> who like, who are you going to go get? Well, you know, they can Sam Cassell. Well, what's the difference between Darwin Ham and Sam Cassell? Yeah. First time head coaches. So – I, I don't mind where they're at. I think what they've got to do is they got to make a decision on the roster. I hear. What, what is the
1: roster makeup going to be, not the coaching? I hear what you guys are saying. Let me just point out. In Miami, Pat Riley was in charge. Everyone knew it, right? In Cleveland, LeBron James was calling the shots, and it didn't seem to be a problem. I just noticed that if when you say who's in charge and da-da-da-da-da, now it's an issue. It wasn't even an issue a couple years ago. And LeBron didn't get everything he wanted, right? Because, you know, Ty Lue didn't become the coach. He Like, you know, Jeannie was not going to get – this wasn't Cleveland. But it also wasn't Miami. It was somewhere in between. But why is it an issue now, but it wasn't an issue a couple years ago? I don't
3: see LeBron and the way they operate being an issue. That's led to multiple championships. I see a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and there's a lot of – between Kurt Rambis, Limba Randis, Phil Jackson coming back into the play. There's a lot going on. There's a jockeying for power. But I don't I don't see LeBron. Like, look, Kyrie talked about it this weekend in the podcast, I Am An Athlete. And he was like, yeah, you know, when we won a championship, LeBron orchestrated what that roster was. Like, So for me, one out of every three years, if that leads you to a world championship, I'll take that. I'll take that's worth it. Is it going to come with drama? Yes, because you're in L.A. You brought it up. You're in L.A. You brought, L.A. reports on Twitter or on social media or on things that happen with celebrities like it's a bomb. You know what I mean? Like, it's a massive thing. Everything's going to be blown out of proportion. You,
1: you brought it up about the I Am Athlete podcast where, where uh, Brandon Marshall's podcast, which is excellent. He was on the show last week also. But where he says LeBron, where Kyrie said LeBron plays GM. He put the squad together it was a quote. I wasn't mad at him. I was like, all right, bet. This is how it goes, especially, as you said, when you're in the finals every year. But it, it got us to thinking. Let me ask the question, because a lot of times one of the things about Kyrie Irving, it strikes me, guys, he very much sees this as his story, right? Like, we talk about LeBron or KD. What's better for LeBron? What's better for KD? Let me ask from Kyrie's point of view. What, what's better for Kyrie? Is it KD or LeBron? Right now he's with KD. They have not done very much, um, although they've been hamstrung, right, with injuries and stuff like that, but they really haven't advanced very far. And with LeBron, he was in the finals every year in a much weaker Eastern Conference and won a chip against a 73-win team. Who's better at this point in their careers for K- for, for Kyrie, Jay? KD or LeBron? So I,
3: I think KD and Kyrie are the most skillful duo that game of basketball has ever seen, right? Uh, just because of the ways they can score and do everything. But it almost... Like when, thinking about it over the weekend because this was a topic of conversation because people were saying uh, oh, Kyrie should go back and partner with LeBron and Tristan Thompson was called on TMZ saying that's the best duo that the game of basketball has ever got a chance to see. It does make me think that the way those pieces just feel like they almost fit better, they're more uh, compatible because of how they can be used interchanging like in a pick and roll, uh, the way they fit because they both have incredible vision and KD has good vision too. I don't know though, Key, this one's a tough one. Um, I do wonder about personality, though. Like, would LeBron be better for Kyrie because at the end of the day, Kyrie would listen to LeBron. I know he would listen to KD, but LeBron has a little bit more of an authoritative, this is what it is, right, whereas we see KD kind of evolving into that, whereas Kyrie is that that strong personality. Kyrie, okay. Kyrie, that's a new new name for KD and Kyrie. 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 There you go.
2: I, I would say yeah, I like it. It's LeBron James. They've done it before and they could have done it many times over if Kyrie was a little more mature at the time. But I think she admitted s- to stepping away sometimes gives you an opportunity to see what could have been. And I think Kyrie <laughs> has seen that now even though he's with Kevin Durant. I think, though, if he was the, and I, and I don't know how it would work, but if you put him with, Anthony, I don't know, I guess you could put him with Anthony Davis. Well, I guess you would have probably have to move Anthony Davis to get Kyrie because of salaries and all the other stuff that have to match and whatever. But if there's a way that Kyrie could join the Lakers, be kind of a smart move on his part.
1: Yeah, it's I, I would say that, Whereas Kyrie and KD is the most skillful combination. And by the way, just let's get something out of the way. Kobe and Shaq's the greatest one-two punch of all time, right? You can't get by. Kobe and Shaq were probably the one in two or one in three best players on earth in their primes when they were together. But if you're talking in terms of impact on winning, if you're talking about just skillfulness. Yeah, that's what it's Yeah, I mean, the skillful is Kyrie and KD. But in a way, their skills are a bit redundant. It's not like, I mean, can you ever have enough shooting and ball handling? That's great, right? But LeBron and Kyrie, in a way, are more complementary to me. So I would actually say LeBron for Kyrie. You know, so let's just take skill
3: sets off the table. It's also how are relationships managed. Do you want Kyrie managing the relationship, or do you want LeBron managing the relationship? So that's the question that goes into it, right? LeBron. Because that was one of the reasons why Kyrie got frustrated at the time because everybody knew it was LeBron's team. And this is more of KD and Kyrie's team, even though a lot of people inside look at it like Kyrie moves the way he wants to move, right? And nobody really calls him out internally. So how do those dynamics change if it were on LeBron's team? Would be well, the, LeBron,
2: the Le- Le- LeBron's more mature as well as Kyrie. So I think what we saw in Cleveland with them, it won't be the same if they would ever join forces again. Um, yeah, if they would ever join for it, yeah, that's one that that uh, certainly will keep people up at night. Let's just put it that way.
1: That's not what they want to see. It'd be they do not want to see be, those two again. It'd be awesome if they could somehow like it'd be like Kobe and Shaq getting back together and winning another championship right as much as they did they could have done even more and it feels that way with LeBron and Kyrie all right how will these Celtics bounce back tonight after their game three loss Bam Adebayo was the guy that really got it started. Bam was just aggressive. You know, 16 points over the first two games is really not up to his standard. Drive, spins left, left hand is jumped Money. Bam Adebayo with 16 points.
2: They beat us like we stole something in game two. So, I mean, that, that woke a fire up in, in all of us. All
1: right, we're going to get to the Heat-Celtics series in just a second. But, guys, mm. we've been talking Lakers. Let's continue, shall we? Joined now by Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, and a guy who perhaps has observed LeBron James in a play or two in his career. What's up, Wendy? Good morning, guys. Wendy, who's the best candidate for the Lakers job?
5: I don't know if I have a clean answer for that, Max. I don't know if the Lakers do either. Um, you know, they made a decision that is always a complicated one in the NBA. When you fire a coach who's been successful, uh, I would say that it's a very good idea to know who you're going to hire when you do that. And, you know, we've seen that through the course of, of time where teams feel like they need to upgrade and there's a move that they want to make and they make. I mean, a, a classic one is Steve Kerr. You know, Mark Jackson was successful. Um they fired him. They knew who they wanted. They got him. They they had to win a bidding war with the Knicks to get him, and the rest is history. I mean, that's your great A example right there. Um, so they they fired a coach, and they didn't know who they were going to hire. And so they've gone through this process. I will say this, though. You know, when they hired Frank Vogel, if you remember who their finalists were, it was Monty Williams, Frank Vogel, and Jason Kidd. It's very similar to the finalists that they have right now, at least the ones that we know about, Um, with guys like Kenny Atkinson and Terry Stocks, Coaches who have, you know, Darvin Ham is in there too, and and he's definitely got a strong chance, but coaches who have coached elsewhere, who are respected to a degree, and who they're not going to have to pay $10 million a year. Um, and they believe, uh, you know, I, I've i been told this, the Lakers believe that, you know, they thought that their process last time around did pretty well. They, they, they first decided on Monty Williams. He turned him down. He's proven to be an excellent choice for Phoenix. They hired a guy who helped them to win a title, and the guy that finished second that they hired as their lead assistant, Jason Kidd, is having a great job in Dallas. So they thought Good that points. their process last time worked. So they they're working their process this time, and they think it's going to work. We'll see.
3: Wendy, if the goal is to win a world championship yesterday, does it does it behoove the Lakers to have a guy like Darvin Ham who doesn't have the head coaching experience, even though we've seen Ime Yudoka in his first year with the Boston Celtics lead them to an Eastern Conference Finals, or are they looking for somebody with more head coaching experience that has been to the playoffs? You know, you talk about a guy like Terry Stouts or obviously a guy like Kenny Atkinson who's here with the Brooklyn Nets for a while. I mean,
5: this is exactly what they're asking themselves, Jay. I mean, look, let's say you were contacted about this job, and they said to you, hey, come in here and, and interview for us. It, it, it's it's not an easy job at all. It's a really hard job. I mean, it's the Los Angeles Lakers, so you're going to go, and you're going to interview, and you're going to want it. But it's a, you're holding a really difficult hand. And not only that, but the Lakers realized, and I don't think they – they realize it because they think that there's some sort of miracle out there. But they're they're looking at having to keep Russell Westbrook because there's not a trade out there for them to do that they can stomach, at least not right now. And so, you know, after you go through the pleasantries, you got to now present your plan of how you're going to make this work with Russell Westbrook. And if you prepared for that coaching interview, you watched Russell Westbrook's exit interview, on the, after the last day of the season, where he torched everything that happened, and he torched the concept of him um, bending at all, um, it is a bad hand. And then you look at the competitiveness of the West, and you look at the the challenges. The expectation is that you're going to pull some sort of lever and instantaneously make them a contender, when there's probably not going to be a massive change in their roster. That you know, there's this belief that you know, changing just the approach, or changing, uh, you know, some sort of, um, you know, motivation level is going to get this mixed. It was an utter failure this year to work. I mean, I do believe that in the NBA that, that coaching is a, is an, is hiring the right coach is vital, and, and you know, and, and hitting that is is a difference between a lot of times being a contender and being on the outside. But this, this is it's not a good job. It's not a good job at all. And I, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you that they should do this, this, or this, or that their thought process is very clean, because it is not.
2: Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Note for you, uh, Brian, J. Will said he would not interview for the job earlier on the show, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. Speaking he of would you interview about, for it? Absolutely, and I take it yesterday. Um, right, and a be- lot
5: of people feel that way.
2: Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of interviewing, taking things, and trying to figure things out, the Boston Celtics played a Miami Heat The Heat, beat them last, the other night without Jimmy Butler in the second half. What's the update on Jimmy Butler's knee injury?
5: I think he's probably going to try to play. He went through some treatment yesterday, um, and uh, the hope is that he's going to recover from that. He, he had this happen to him in the first round. He missed a game with this, um, I believe it's an IT band, whatever that means. Uh, Sounds hurt, sounds painful. He's just got (laughs) some uh, inflammation in there. And the treatment that calmed it down last time, they did it again, and I hope they're going to calm it down this time. But to me, the bigger question is, is, the biggest question for this game is Marcus Smart to me. Because that injury, we all saw how he landed on his foot. And... You know, I, adrenaline must have kicked in. There's no way that injury happened, and you're just A-OK. You walk it off. Maybe mm-hmm. LeBron James. I've seen LeBron. That happened to LeBron and him walk it off. But even that, even that kind of landing on LeBron probably would cost him a game. Mm-hmm. And that is his right leg that he has had problems on throughout the entire playoffs. He had a quad injury in there several times. That's the same foot that he had the foot sprain where he came back for game two. It probably wasn't 100% healed, and now he's got an ankle all on that right side. Um, I would not surprise me at all if Jimmy Butler plays in this game. I think that's what they're hoping. It would kind of surprise me if Marcus Smart can play. It would be pretty impressive.
3: Hey, Wendy, real quick because we only got about 20 seconds. Do Do you see Tyler Hero losing some money here? He has not showed up in these playoffs at all.
5: Yeah, well, he was going to be a difficult how-much-you-going-to-pay situation anyway um, because his it's hard, you, know, he, you know, he only really plays one side of the court. But uh, his value to the Heat is to deliver them baskets when they're under pressure in the half court. That is their biggest weakness as a team. That is his biggest value to them. And at the highest stakes here, he hadn't been able to do it. And he gets hunted on the defensive end, mm-hmm. and they benched him down the stretch of the game the other day. Uh, now he might have had a, he might have a quad injury. They're not really being one hundred percent clear, but you know that's not the, that's not what you want to take to your your meeting when you're asking for your money, especially when the Heat have a whole bunch of money on the table. It wouldn't stun me if the Heat investigate a trade market for Tyler Hero. But that's obviously something that'll be discussed in the summer.
1: That is Brian Windhorst, ladies and gentlemen. Wendy, always great talking to you.
5: Thanks, Wendy. Have a great, have a great week, guys. Right,
1: you too. The Yankees-White Sox series was more heated than usual this weekend, and uh, there's a very good reason for that. We're going to talk about why next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast.
5: Josh Donaldson, the Yankees' third baseman, uh, called Tim Anderson, who is black, Jackie, uh, in reference to Jackie Robinson. Now, Donaldson said that he has done this in the past. It
1: was pretty dumb by Josh Donaldson to do that. It was
5: unnecessary, it was disrespectful, and it wasn't funny.
1: Yeah,
2: he just made a you know, disrespectful comment. He you was know, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson, like, what's up, Jackie? I don't play like that. I don't really play at all.
1: Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, ESPN2, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. You can download the podcast. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. So, as you heard on the way in to this segment just now, Josh Donaldson, Yankees third baseman, who has, seems to play for a different team every year, good productive player in the field and at the plate, Has won an MVP in the past, but seems to burn out his welcome pretty quickly around the league and go from team to team for a guy who produces like like he does. Um, Recently, that's earlier this month, he threw a hard tag on Tim Anderson, the uh, White Sox shortstop and batting champion, by the way, and benches cleared. So there's been some bad blood. They were teammates in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and... You know, and listen, Donaldson's reputation precedes him, uh, being kind of burning out clubhouses and being that kind of guy. In this case, Josh Donaldson called Tim Anderson Jackie. Tim Anderson, an all-star African American middle infielder, right? He calls him Jackie, um, as in Jackie Robinson, and Tim Anderson was not happy about that. This is what Donaldson said happened and why he said what he said, and this is Tim Anderson's response. Listen.
5: First inning, I called him Jackie. Let me give you a little context of that. 2019, he came out with an interview said that he's the new Jackie Robinson of baseball. He's going to bring back fun for the game. 2019, when I played for Atlanta, we actually uh, joked about that on the game. And I've said it to him in years past, not in any manner, that just joking around but the fact that he called himself Jackie Robinson. If something has changed from that, my meaning of that is not any term trying to be racist by any fact of the matter. It was just off of an interview that what he called himself. Yeah, he just
2: made a... You know, disrespectful comment. You know, baseball is, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson. Like, what's up, Jackie? I don't play like that. I don't really play at all. I wasn't really, you know, bothering nobody today. But, uh, you know, he made a comment, and, uh, you know, it was, it was disrespectful. I don't think it was called for. was unnecessary. That was when you guys crossed past the charts right there. Into the third. Yeah, but that happened in the first. First time he got on. You know, and I spared him that time. Uh, and then it happened again. You know, it's just uncalled for. You know, it's not. You know, I got time to, you know, be playing
1: like that. Now, guys, for additional context, before we get into this, I want you to listen to Liam Hendricks, who's a White Sox pitcher, so Tim Anderson's teammate, talk about and pay attention especially to to uh, Josh Donaldson's reputation around the league. Listen to Liam Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, that's completely inappropriate. And then after hearing what was said after the game,
3: uh,
0: usually you have inside jokes with people you get along with, not people that don't get along at all. And so that, uh, that statement right there was complete bull-
3: but, then again, my uh, my feelings towards the individual in question are pretty well documented in the fact that we don't get along. And the fact that I have now spoken to, I think it's four separate clubhouses that he's been into. And, as a whole, none of them have gotten along. So, yeah, him trying to pull that, trying to whip out that narrative is completely not a bull****.
2: Well, there you have it. Um... Look, these situations, man, that's why I enjoy working on my show and I enjoy covering all aspects of sports. Um, when you think about Josh and you think about Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson, two former teammates, he says that he said it in 2019, which was published. Okay, that's cool. That He may have very well did that. There's no question about it because it's published. But what I would say is I don't know if it was had race motivated toward it or whatever the case may be because I'm not a a lip reader. I'm not a body language expert. But I can tell you this. If somebody says something to me that I don't appreciate and I don't like a certain way and they're delivering it a certain way or their attitude is toward things a certain way and they know I didn't rock with them in the past, and they think they can joke with me like that, like it's cool, then I'm going to take it a certain way. Clearly, based on what Liam said, he's had history in different clubhouses, so he's a bad person to start with. That or Tim already feels that way. Tim Anderson already feels like he's a bad person. So for him to come out and say, hey, Jackie, that's going to create problems. One of the bigger problems in all of this, too, is too many white people think they can say things that blacks use or blacks may say. You cannot. I don't know how many times we go over this. You can't just freely say things because you think it's cool or you read it or you saw it or you heard it in a rap song. That's going to create problems no matter what anyone says. And he clearly didn't appreciate being called Jackie because we all know what Jackie Robinson stood for. Her when he integrated baseball in 1947. And so I don't know this dude, Josh Donaldson's history, but he obviously has some sort of bad history because
3: everybody's speaking about it. So to me, Josh Donaldson may not be a likable guy. Um, to me, frankly, I don't think that was a racist comment like Tony La Russa has said it was, and, and here's why. If you call yourself something, you have made yourself open for game. It may be unnecessary, it may be disrespectful, but, Key, as we, you and I both know in, in game of sports, people talk trash all day long. It may not be the right kind of trash talk you may want to hear. But unless somebody's telling me that Josh Donaldson has had a history of saying racist-like remarks, then that's a different story. But you calling somebody Jackie in which they've called themselves in the past, to me, that's gamesmanship. That's trash talk. It I may think, be nasty. I don't, I
1: don't Guys, know. we're I up mean, against it. Mean, it. Hold it on. Key, key, Jay, we're up it against it. Let's carry this over. We have more to say about this. Keyshawn, Jay, Will and Max. ESPN Radio, ESPN2, SiriusXM, Channel 80, the ESPN app. We're back right after this. G-Sean, J-Will, and Max, the podcast.